objectively wrong about something because this is a like fucking renowned <laughs> ass game that it you is, I know. shit all over. It is. It is. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah I was, I was I, like not having any of it. That's why I'm just like, I'm going to hang back basically and be like, hey, this one, not for me. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you got fucking, your opinion. Yeah, you got to go all in so we can tell you why you're wrong. Just all like right, you like to tell us why we're wrong when we don't like your shit. All right. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, this is your hill to die on, Day of the Tentacle. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that being my hill to die on, but all right, well, I'll take too bad because that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, is that what we're doing? Okay, <laughs> that's, this, that's that's the episode. So. Yeah, right. we're sacrificing right. you. This is Wicker Man, so yeah. <laughs> oh, just to pick, you're gonna go sacrifice. So you're gonna pick a fucking Nicolas Cage movie to reference? <laughs> like, of all the human sacrifices we could possibly reference in all the pop culture. The one that has Nicolas Cage in it is the one you pull for me. Sure. Except, fuck yourself, little brother. Except, in, except instead of bees, it's little tiny tentacles all over oh. your face. All right, all right. <laughs> under the helmet. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that that's sufficient preamble. Let's uh, welcome everybody back to Dance Robot Dance, episode 153. My name is Tim. I will be hosting this week. With me, we've got our usual crew lately we've got mark in st Catharines, ontario this week i am back home at mom and dad's again this week so yeah hello everybody <laughs> and we have paul joining us from seoul south korea hey everybody so how are you guys doing this week busy mm-hmm. would probably be the operative word for me yeah yeah. Me too. Me too. I feel that. I was I was out of town like four from like Sunday until Thursday for work, and yeah, it was uh, it was a long one. But yeah, we're in parent teacher conference time Oof. in, uh, and it's really rough. And we haven't had a proper like, break since March, so we're like all waiting for our summer vacation. We get one week off in at the end of July, and we're just all chomping at the bit for it. So oh, you still got another like month to wait for that or, yeah. three weeks or something like that to wait for that and having to meet with the moms in the meantime. Yeah, it's, it's not a great time, <laughs> but we're uh, getting through it. I'm our planning Korean, a lot of Korean, trips. <laughs> are Korean moms as bad as like North American moms? Um, because we're in for profit education, they can be worse sometimes because uh, like, they are no. paying tuition. Um, yeah. and the tuition for my school in particular is pretty steep. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm at a pretty good school, so they are allowed to be picky and I give them like props for, you know, demanding excellence. But at the same time, it's like, oh, fuck, like calm, <laughs> calm the hell down. They're yeah. seven years your old. Kids, they're not fluent. Yeah. Your kid's a nightmare. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Coming All from right. very entitled families, you know, it, it is what it is. Cool. Uh, so this week we've got uh, something that uh, I've been looking forward to doing for quite a while and that sort of Paul uh, brought up last week that kind of instigated all of this. So uh, we'll get to that in a bit. But first, let's go through the uh, little bits and pieces of news this week. I think we're in that like pre-San Diego Comic-Con like news void right now where like yeah. most of the news is getting held back to, you know, to like compete against the other comic-con kind of news yeah. so there's not a whole lot going on every summer it's post e3 and then pre-comic-con yeah. we get that little nice gap where we get a little the, desert we yeah get to no news the news in like 15 minutes yeah but it also means that i get to pick some sort of more eccentric and offbeat kind of bits of news let's see i think mark and i have definitely finished jessica jones at this point right yes i have okay paul have you yet nope i'm just in episode three now so okay 
Uh, so Christian Ritter has basically said at this point that she's pretty happy if she never plays Jessica Jones again. Um, she came right back just... on Twitter and denied it. Like the oh, next really? day. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> came right up the next day and was like, "No, I totally go and played her again." I don't know why that was taken out of context. Sorry, okay. I didn't even know you're, that's well, where you're going with. I would have like been like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait!" She kiboshed this already. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's 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 good. I, yeah, I didn't see that, but uh, and usually. Uh, this is on io9 and io9 or uh, io9 is usually pretty good about like putting notes in saying like, yeah, that uh, it might've been uh, off-putting, but I, she did say, you know, sort of something along the lines of like, she felt that she gave the character a good, like closing a good sort of send off, which I tend to agree with, but that being said, it would always take more of this. So, all right, well next let's moving on to more Marvel stuff and real weird Marvel stuff. Marvel has announced that they are going to be releasing a bunch of Marvel Spotlight one-act plays that, like, high schools and shit like that can do. So the first three are Squirrel Girl Goes to College, obviously featuring Squirrel Girl. There is a... <laughs> there is definitely going to be an Anna Kendrick, like, YouTube video doing that. She was talking about doing Squirrel Girl for years, and didn't get to do it. I guarantee you she picks this and does a YouTube video. <laughs> or at least if she doesn't, somebody needs to message her that this should happen. Yeah. Maybe uh, I'll there's do that one right now, actually. <laughs> there's one called Hammered, a Thor and Loki play. Oh no. Which oh my God, I can, no. can only imagine is probably a sequel to the one where Thor <laughs> fucks a unicorn from our hundred our sesquicentennial celebration episode slash trauma case. Uh, yeah. I like that you use that word. This sounds just like repulsive, even though it's not to describe <laughs> that episode. Like squishy. So that's squishy. Our squishy yeah, sounds... centennial. Mm-mm. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> fucking. The gross. only reason I know that word is because when I was growing up, Brantford had like the town I grew up in had its yes. like sesquicentennial. It's 150th anniversary. Yeah, and and I think I think my sister sang on like they did like commissioned a song that was made that. And they put out a little fucking like CD and everything. Yeah, so it's the only reason I know that. And then the third one is called Mirror of Most Value, and it's uh, featuring Ms. Marvel, uh, as in the Kamala Khan Ms. Marvel. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's it's just weird. Like I. So these are like like officially sanctioned Marvel plays that they're like you can what download and like. Uh, well, it's like, like you can like license them, yeah. So like, apparently, you have to pay like seventy five bucks per performance, or like if you want to do multiple nights, it says it's one hundred and twenty five dollars. So they're keeping it like pretty cheap, but it also sounds like they're trying to, yeah. They're, they're also like you can rent stuff from Marvel, like backdrops and costumes and shit, maybe. Okay. Yeah, and like yeah, so it's also def- you know, it's not just like. Hey, we want students to be able to act out our characters. It's definitely a money grab. I yeah. I don't know how. Yeah, that's is it's just a weird fucking story. Where did you find the story? I don't even like is it on io9? It was on io9, yeah. Yeah, and I saw it shared around a couple other places too. The the oh. cover image to it is a uh, picture from the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark uh musical, The Ill-Fated. <laughs> Literally, the first thing when you said stage play, like the first thing that popped into my head was Bono on the Edge and fucking <laughs> Spider Man into like into the dark, and I was just like, we can't do this again because yeah. that was like a goddamn decade long nightmare. Yeah, that we still make jokes about, <laughs> obviously to this day. So I don't know. This squicks me out in a different reason, in a kind of like, hello, fellow kids, kind of. 
yeah. way. Like, hey, hey, theater kids, you want to be cool? You yeah. want to do some Marvel? All the cool kids are doing Marvel plays. Yeah, yeah. They're not doing You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown anymore. They're doing, oh, God, I hate it. It's so yeah. dumb. F- fuck hello, Dolly. You yeah. want to be Spider-Man. <laughs> and you want to play Thor and Loki and hammer each other. Oh, in front of all your oof. parents. Big oof. I hate <laughs> Yeah, that's a... That's a... <laughs> this is... that. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, if... Maybe if they are actually well-written plays and aren't, like... But this, this... Like, the whole thing seems just so, like, why and how and what? So, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. But moving on, this is going to be, I think, over the next year or so we can call this like dance robot dance, a bill and Ted podcast, because I'm going to, I'm going to talk about every bit of bill and Ted news, bill and Ted three news that comes up. Cause this week it was announced that Amy Stotch is going to reprise her role as, as Missy. Yes. And Hal Landon jr. Is going to reprise his role as uh, Ted's dad. And also Beck Bennett from SNL is going to be playing uh, Ted's younger brother, Deacon, the one that is the, who uh, takes Napoleon around to the fucking water loops and the fucking bowling alley and everything. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And then they've, they've also cast a couple of actors to be playing Bill and Ted's wives, the most excellent princesses. So it's apparently uh, Aaron Hayes, who's from children's hospital, which I've never watched. And, uh, Oh, that show's funny. I've I've heard good things about it, yeah. Uh, yeah Rob Corddry, like at his I do, worst, yeah, I like, do. as his absolute fucking worst, which like, is oh, his best, absolute yeah. best, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's just like the biggest piece of shit in that. Show, <laughs> honestly, just go sit down. There's super short episode. Just watch a couple, yeah. And if you can't get through, because it's rough. The comedy's like super dark. <laughs> I'm good with that. I'm super good yeah. with that. Watch the first couple, and if it's not for you, it's not for you. Uh, if it is though, you like enjoy Children's Hospital because. Okay. It's a sick fucking ride. <laughs> like, a sick fucking ride. Yeah, so Aaron Hayes, is, who's from Children's Hospital, is going to play Princess Elizabeth, who is Ted's wife, and Jayma Mays, who's from Glee, is going to play Bill's wife, Princess Joanna. I don't I know how... I love Jayma Mays. Yeah? I love her. Yeah, she's really funny, but, yeah, it's a weird pick, because she's, like, usually playing, like, some, like, really... Well, I don't know. She's got a, a a very distinctive voice, so it's really interesting. Like she's in that she played a really uptight like hypochondriac in Glee, but mm-hmm. she's also played like this really sexy kind of evil lawyer in that one show about the small town that has John Lithgow in it. What the hell is that called? Oh um, shit! I remember the, I remember what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name of it. It's really funny. Uh, I don't see it in her just dis- in her trial and error. It's called trial and error. Okay, yeah, I highly recommend that show too because she's really funny in it. But yeah, it's like she's an interesting choice, but she's a really good comedic actress. So nice. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean the the girls, the princesses are part of the band, so maybe if she's got vocal chops, mean maybe that means she's got she might be doing some singing in the movie. So mm-hmm. oh, she was on Heroes too. Who is this girl? I I feel like I should know her now. I recognize her. I recognize her, but I don't like actually like. Recognize oh her, recognize yeah, her. okay. I recognize yeah. her too. Yeah, yeah. I, but like I don't. I don't think I've really ever seen her in anything like a hundred percent. She's one of those like that girl kind of characters, right? Like yeah. yeah. 
she was like, yeah. And it's like one episode of six feet under one episode of how I met your mother. One episode of house. Like, yeah. yes, these are all things that I watch. Hey, an episode of ghost whisperer. I absolutely watched that probably because Jennifer <laughs> Love Hewitt always wore a bra. So I was watching that. <laughs> and most recently, yeah, she was in that trial and error show. Yeah. She was like in the whole series. It looks like. Yeah, she's, uh, one of she's in the Smurfs movies too. Oh, oh, that's not good. Oh, and I would have seen her most recently in uh, Wet Hot American Summer, the first day of camp, because I watched all those Wet Hot American Summer like sequel slash prequels because those things are fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, like I said, uh, just this is just getting me more and more excited. I actually last weekend I went out uh, thrift store shopping uh, with my buddy Paul, who Mark has met. We're yep. doing Bill and Ted cosplays at Dragon Con this year. So I got like a sweatshirt that I can cut off and like draw the stallion on the back and everything and some nice. some jeans that I can tear up. And I, I got a pair of like Chuck Taylors that are just waiting there ready to go with the costume too. Yeah, so that'll be good. Let's see. Some gaming news. Well, this is gaming going to TV. I feel like this is like one of those weird synergistic things because I feel like I was talking about Mist a couple of weeks ago on a podcast. And mm-hmm. now apparently... It is missed is back in development for both film and TV right now. And I don't know Wait, how the what, fuck you what? make a movie out of mist. I, I was just going to ask how it's like, there's no people in <laughs> mist. <Yeah. laughs> how the fuck do you make that movie? Like, I don't understand. It's just a pair it's of hands. Just like holding things and like, it's no, it's like, isn't this a point and click adventure? It yeah, is. It's a legit point and click adventure. It's not even like moving the character around, right? Like you're actually just pointing at shit on the screen and yeah. like, doing stuff with it right yeah what's well, it's one of the like there it's one of those uh games where throughout the game you start uh, like unveiling bits and pieces of the history like there was those i think in the first game there was the two like competing puzzle designers or something like that or no it was uh writers right because there were books of mist that were like somehow linked to the world or something like that and as you got the pages back like you could imprison people in the books and stuff like that so and those were like those really glitchy fucking shitty like video cutscenes, like quick time events kind of thing back in the day right right yeah so We'll see. That was just, yeah, that just jumped out at me. Here, Paul, Pokemon Sword and Shield has addressed the, what has now been come to be known in as the most fucking first world of problems as the Dex controversy, mm-hmm. where, what was it you're telling us about a couple weeks ago? Like you can't play all of your Pokemon yeah. in the new game. Yeah, a lot of the Pokemon won't appear at all in the game, which is the first time in the history of the franchise where like you, you can't even transfer in from games, games outside. The Pokemon simply just won't appear. You can transfer your Pokemon into the online storage, but they'll just sit there collecting dust until those Pokemon become available in future games. Mm. And Junichi Masuda has quote-unquote address the controversy sorry not sorry <laughs> yeah basically so um, there have been a lot of videos uh, circulating about how like they've done they've deep dived into the code of let's go pikachu and let's go eevee and all of the stuff from previous games is in the game they just ha- would have had to port over models and textures sprites and things and like that sprites yeah and so we're like the we were confused. You said everyone's like, "Oh, I thought those things didn't exist, and you'd have to make them from scratch." But so there's like a lot of it was seemingly lying on Game Freak's part. Like it's it's clear that they don't have a lot of 
love left for the Pokemon franchise, and they're just using it as a cash cow, which I understand. This is the most lucrative video game franchise out there, so what are you going to do? But yeah, fans are kind of like, there are a lot of people who are canceling their pre-orders saying like, hey, if you're going to be this low effort with Pokemon, then we're, we need to kind of put our money where our mouth is and just not buy the games this generation and see where it goes from there. So some people don't care. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I might order the game. I'm not going to pre-order the games. I'm going to see if they're any good first. But normally I would have, like I had Sun and Moon pre-ordered. So, so this time around, I'm just going to kind of wait and see. There yeah. you go. From but the people are pissed. <laughs> a lot of Poke- long-time well, Pokemon. Like the kids don't care, but the long-time Pokemon fans are pissed about it. So. Yeah. But that was basically everything that I had, unless you guys had anything that I missed news-wise? Mm, nope. I didn't see anything that seemed super pressing this week. So. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, we can move on to our Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. Which is the segment where we discuss the nerdiest things we've done in the past week or so. Uh, let's start with Mark. I got Bloodstained and started playing it. So... I don't really have like a ton to say about it, but I'm enjoying it so far. I'm a couple hours in. Where was I map-wise? Like 20%, I think. I saw Paul was playing it as well. Um, that was my Geek of the Week, you jerk. <laughs> I, feel like this, I feel like this has probably colored Mark's opinion of what we actually played for the episode this week. No, because I didn't really like start playing it till I finished the other one. Like I... I yeah, but you're yeah, probably like looking that, forward to it and being like, if I, I get, if I get through this, I can play Bloodstained. I was kind of, that was part of the issue, maybe, but like, no, I was, I don't know, we'll get into it, but like, Bloodstained, it was exactly what I wanted, the jank's a little much, like, I bought it on the, I ended up, when I actually went and checked my Kickstarter, I didn't actually make a selection, so I got the PC version, which is running fine, it's apparently the best running version out of uh, the four major releases, because apparently the Switch is still completely fucked, and so is the Xbox version, like, the Xbox version is not even, hasn't even had a revision patch yet, so great i'm thankfully it sounds like you were on on ps4 right paul like you're playing yeah i'm playing on, on PS4. Sony's tech. Mm-hmm. yeah i guess the pc and playstation versions are the ones that are being updated the fastest right now so those are the best versions to be playing um it's like it's running good i'm having fun with it uh it's basically what i wanted it's like symphony for 2019 mm-hmm. we'll see like i haven't finished it finished it so i don't have a complete opinion yet but so far so good what are you thinking about it? Is this Paul? This is your Geek of the Week as well, Paul? This is also my Geek of the Week because besides our uh, our homework, I didn't like do much that was geeky. So I was playing Bloodstained too. And it's got like, I like the feel of it because it does feel a lot like Symphony of the Night. Mm. It, like the way that Miriam moves around and her, the weapon choices, the menus, everything feels like Castlevania. There's like, yeah. so it's what I expected and what I was hoping for. So it's cool. I really, I'm enjoying it so far as well. There's like a little bit of like, the visuals are a little bit almost disjointed. Like there's something off about like the way the backgrounds yeah. look, look versus the character models. And like character models are like this two and a half D like super anime fluid style. anime style. And then the backgrounds are more Symphony of the Night, like painted, like dramatic dark they're like very full 3d too like they're like it's obviously yeah. a 2.5d game and it's like there's they're very very detailed 3d kind of spaces she's in, inhabiting and she's a very kind of 2.5d cell shaded character so it is a little i've been finding that too like it's kind of incongruous 
like yeah. the visual style doesn't quite line up as nicely as like obviously the sprite on sprite like, yeah symphony work did but i mean for, like it was a kickstarter game they didn't have full konami backing anymore right so like they yeah. did what they could i'm happy with it considering yeah. what it is like for a kickstarter game hey man yeah it'd be a lot worse it, it basically runs on most platforms so like yeah in the first week not bad so i'll take it i'm and i'm liking this the storyline like i like the concept of like this uh woman having her body fucked up by like this religious patriarchy and she's got to use the way that like she can consume demons and slowly become less human to actually clean up their mess like it's a very very on brand in the me too era which i appreciate (laughs) it's actually quite good and i like the voice acting it's no there's no what is a man moment yet 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 we haven't gotten to the end yet but there's no miserable pile of secrets some of the voice acting is a little like it just kind of feels like like a modern indie game Mm mm-hmm I guess like it's not it's not good or bad. It's just it has that feel to it. It's like obviously the symphony, the original symphony voices, like legendarily so bad it's good kind of thing. So yeah, mimetic, like yeah, it, in its awfulness. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah, Bloodstain. Check it out if you're if you are into Metroidvania. Like this doesn't do anything particularly new in terms no. of that genre of game. Like there's definitely games that are out there that are a lot more innovative. But if yeah. you want, if you just wanted Symphony of the Night two, here you go. There it is. It's all yeah. yours. Go it, get it. It reminds me a lot of some of the later DS, DS, and DSI games that were coming out. Like yeah, uh, Aria more Sorrow. like Aria of Sorrow. Yeah, it was making me think of Aria of Sorrow the most uh, as I was kind of getting through the first couple hours of it. Just like I think it's maybe more the art style of the characters because they're mm-hmm. very. That was when they transitioned to that kind of anime style in the Castlevania franchise too. Which yeah, I was not a big fan of. I miss the. Uh, I like the Kojima illustrations from like symphony era kind of stuff like yeah more uh, ornate kind of style gothic style yeah the monster power collecting as well is very reminiscent of aria um so yes yeah the souls and stuff yeah yeah like versus so, shards and whatever but yeah. it's a good like i'm having fun with it i can't complain um i'll like i'll probably beat it this week and be able to speak to it more accurately on the next episode because I just didn't get a chance to play a ton of it because we were doing something else this week. (laughs) Which Mark will chastise me for later, I'm sure. Uh, Uh, I mean, like, (laughs) it was good that we did it. Let's just, we'll get there. (laughs) But see, now this is just going to make me want to get you to play more of them to see if it's all of them or just this one. So (laughs) anyways, my Geek of the Week is also gaming, but as listeners know i don't do a whole lot of console gaming and uh, i was out of town again this week for work i was in charlotte north carolina and as i tend to do i found arcade bars there a couple of different ones uh the one that i kind of want to shout out is the palmer street arcade bar uh, which had really good vibe good music good beer good games uh good mix of like old pinball new pinball and like old consoles and like they also are old uh, arcade cabinets and then also they had like some of the newer style, like sort of Dave and Buster's kind of games. Um, and then cool. just this afternoon, I went to uh, a place I've been meaning to go in Georgia for a while now, but just haven't got to. Uh, and there was a buddy of mine I hadn't seen in like six months. And one of the things that we tend to do together is go to like gaming expos and arcades and stuff like that. And it's called uh, Portal Pinball in Kennesaw, Georgia. Uh, it's mostly pinball. They do have some older cabinets and stuff, older uh, arcade games too. But and we just 
like it, it's nice because it's uh it's not a bar but it's set up free play so you go in you pay like eight bucks an hour and you just play as much as you fucking want so like i it's great because you can play like the same game over and over again and like get good at it kind of thing and actually start to figure out like because that's like that's what i like about pinball games is like yeah you can just like sit there and fuck around on them but once you actually figure out like holy shit i'm supposed to be doing something here like right now i'm supposed yeah. to be aiming for this arrow that's aiming up that ramp and that's going to trigger this bonus or this like mini game or whatever and that's you know how you get all the fucking points and shit like that and so mm-hmm. yeah a lot of fun and and that was i literally like came right back from that to record tonight like i was there for like a good like three and a half hours <laughs> you heard that too right like, i, I you, sure like, did eat the pause the pause was there okay good. i literally I came. Make sure. yeah uh, okay <laughs> yeah we can we can edit that in at the end there might be a much more pregnant pause on that when i've done the edit is all i'm, is all I'm trying to say <laughs> yeah i got I'm, I'm not welcome back there now <laughs> yeah, well, i mean that's it's North Carolina. Do you really want to go back? <laughs> no, that one. That one's Georgia. <laughs> oh, sorry, Georgia. Oh, well, I guess the stand. Yeah. Well, you're moving out of there anyway. It's, it's fine. It's, it's fine to get start getting banned from some cool places now. You know what I mean? At least have your this is where your face is up somewhere. Like, do not let this man yeah. in, and it'll be there for at least a little this while. Man right? Jizzes so, on like, the machines. Yeah, like <laughs> your legacy will be left behind in Atlanta as a machine jizzer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a different kind of. Normally, that kind of arcade doesn't need jizz moppers. No, no, <laughs> not usually. It's a very but, different kind of arcade, but, but still coin I mean, operated. We still need to do that. Yeah, we still need to do that episode at some point because that was that. This is a little bit more sort of inside baseball, but right before Christy, you know, sort of let us know that she was going to have to take a step back from the podcast. I think the episode we were planning to do that week was an episode on like arcade gaming. And then we mm. Paul and I have a shared arcade history. Yeah, so and, oh, we, that's, that's and I've, I think I've still got notes for that episode buried somewhere. So at some point we Dude. should definitely go back and do that. Yeah, yeah. And I have experience at the, this might be a, like a geek cred flex a little bit, but <laughs> I've been to Japan, Akihabara, <laughs> and I've been to those like six floor crazy like Palladium. Oh, oh yeah, 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 that's true. They, like yeah. the, the Namco land mm. place. Oh man. Oh yes. Can we do that episode? Yes, please. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time you host, Paul. Next week. Is that next week? Yeah. All right. Well, for now we can move on to our meat of the episode slimy tentacle meat (laughs) (laughs) so but it's not going to be unfortunately christy not that kind of tentacles although i'm sure illusions will be made i'm sure and i'm also sure that that fan art (laughs) absolutely i mean like just go hit deviant (laughs) rule 34 uh so this was prompted by paul who a couple weeks ago had said that he had recently played the remastered version of day of the tentacle the classic LucasArts adventure and uh, so i said okay i've been wanting to play that for a while how will we all do it it's a pretty quick play and then we can do an episode on it so this week we are covering day of the tentacle which is a 1993 LucasArts point-and-click adventure game it is the sequel to the 1987 game uh, Maniac Mansion, which I have not played near as many times as I've played Day of the Tentacle, but I have played. So this is, like I said, classic game from like the heyday of LucasArts Adventures. Longtime listeners of the podcast know that these are these LucasArts games are some of my fucking favorite games of all time. I just like the mix of humor and music and just fun. Like they're just fucking 
gaming comfort food for me. And so, yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about this week. We all played through, uh, I assume, the remastered version, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Mark's already got his head in his hands. Uh, for, so for those not familiar with the game, like I said, uh, it was released in 1993. Publishers, LucasArts, the directors, producers, and designers of the game were uh, Dave Grossman and Tim Schafer. Uh, Tim Schafer, who went on to found Double Fine. Who were responsible for the remaster. Who were responsible yeah. for the remake. Double Fine is uh, known for games like uh, Psychonauts and Brutal Legend. Psychonauts 2 coming out yep. next year, boys. Yay. Yeah, very yeah. exciting. And you can definitely see some of those strains coming across from yeah, stuff yeah. like Day of the Tentacle and those other LucasArts games that uh, Tim Schafer was involved in uh, into those Double Fine games as well. And, and then some of the other big names associated with it. Well, the biggest one is uh, Ron Gilbert was a writer on this game as well. And he also went on to do a good number of other like indie sort of indie adventure games and stuff too. So now can you edify the chronology of these games for me? This is kind of like the middle, like, yeah peak of these games right? yeah this is this is like, around like the sort of the peak so there was the, sort of the first gen games you're like maniac mansion zach mccracken and the alien Mindbenders. those ones so some of those early games were definitely harder and not they hadn't quite nailed down the model of these games that are so really accessible and you can't in like Day of the Tentacle, for instance you can't die there's no way you can fail in this game you can get stuck in a puzzle but you can't like die, quote unquote. Whereas in those earlier games, you could definitely dead end. You could definitely end up in situations where you're just straight up dead. So, and this sort of formula where, you know, there are games where you just keep exploring, keep trying things until you get through is what LucasArts eventually sort of became named for. So this is sort of the second gen, but really would be, I think, sort of the golden age of what these LucasArts adventure games are known for. Okay. So this game predates the Indiana Jones game. No, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade would have come out before this. Uh, I think the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade game came out like 91 or something like that. Let me see. I'm going to I was thinking more like Infernal Machine and the Atlantis one, because those are ones like those I've specifically played. Yeah. Fate of Atlantis would be sort of a contemporary of this game. I think Fate of Atlantis would have been... Uh, I'm gonna look up like a timeline here. Uh, yeah, the this is in the middle of some of those of those Indiana Jones games. So Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade came out in 1989. Fate of Atlantis came out the year after Day of the Tentacle. It came out in '94, and then you got those later, okay. like more 3D ones, Infernal Machine, and what like Emperor's Tomb and shit yeah. like that, which really start to depart uh, in like the late '90s. Yeah, yeah, so this this falls right into like that sweet spot of th- this basically starts off what. I would say most people consider like the renaissance of LucasArts games. You've got like Day of the Tentacle, Sam and Max Hit the Road is also 93. Full Throttle's in there. Oh, yeah, right? Full Throttle Somewhere. would be like uh, 95. What else? Like The Dig was also 95. That was the one that was like uh, Steven Spielberg produced. And then, yeah, and then you've got, yeah, like Curse of Monkey Island came out in like 97 shit like that. So this is right sort of starts off that stretch of like really well-known and, and uh, Grim Fandango's in that sort of stretch as well. Really yep. sort of, you know, those games that have really sort of stood the test of time and that a lot of people reference back to as like, yeah, this is like the heyday of adventure gaming. So yeah, so just to start off with, uh, so we're all sort of on the same page. Everybody knows where we're coming from here. What was your sort of level of familiarity before playing this game? Had you played it before? Played any other of this sort of style of games before? And if so, I mean, we already sort of talked about uh, which one. So let's go to Mark first. 
this is not my kind of game <laughs> at all. So like right off the top, we're like at that point. I'm not an RPG guy, adventure games, like the point and click thing's not really my thing. I have played some of these games before. Like I played the Indiana Jones games because I'm obsessed with Indiana Jones. So I would kind of I was able to get through those based on the love of the franchise, basically. Yeah, yeah. Get, being able to so be like, hey, I'm controlling indie kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, controlling, that's my kind of big thing. Is like, just mechanically, these games don't work for me. Like, I just feel like I'm pointing and clicking at crap. And I'm like, this is, I, this is how I learn how to use a dildo That's programs. the name of the genre. I know, but that, that, like, <laughs> I fundamentally do not enjoy that as a gameplay loop. So I'm like, <laughs> this doesn't really work for me. So like, I'm yeah, I'm already coming at this from like, this is like, not my thing. I guess, so. <laughs> All right, Paul, how about you? Um, I've always had a fondness for these kinds of games. Like back in the day, on my grandpa's PC, he had a copy of Hugo's House of Horrors, which is a very yes. similar thing. And I remember a family friend, there were like three boys in that family, and we were around the same age. And I used to stay at their place, like for sleepovers or whatever. And they had a PC with Dave the Tentacle on it. And I remember playing it like in bits and pieces here and there. And when I was growing up, I remember watching the Maniac Mansion TV show that Eugene Levy created. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah. I have a lot of weird familiarity with the, all this stuff. Oh, and I played the Indiana Jones games as well. I think particularly Fate of Atlantis, I think, was the first one I played. We had that in the house. Excellent game. I owned that one, I think. And that's probably why it got played by everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, maybe. So I'm very familiar with this genre and I had, and once I got back into PC gaming, like I started up my steam account, I like Dave, the tentacle has been in humble bundles for like a million years, like on and off. So I, I, I ended up picking it up eventually that way, but I didn't play the remastered version until I think it was a PlayStation plus pick. And so I played, I played it this time around on my PS4. So. Which is funny because I actually played like I started it on PS4 and like the, just the way this game plays using the DS4 like using the controller to play it I was like this is super frustrating <laughs> for me I need to play if I'm gonna play this I need to at least do it with a mouse and keyboard so that my brain doesn't scream at me the entire time <laughs> but I'm also adding another layer of frustration on top of myself here yeah so. well, it was weird too because I have the same thing like I I got obviously the PS Plus free month version but I think I bought GOG uh, bundle. Mm-hmm of LucasArts games because it was just like a laundry list of the old TIE Fighter and like X-Wing games. And I was like, I totally want to play those again Um, because I never really had a chance to play a lot of those. But they had the tentacle and a bunch of these games were included in it. So I just have them in my Steam library randomly. I'll never play any of them unless Tim makes me at this point. But I do all, all like I've they are they've there. All gotten money. They've gotten a lot of money from me just because I wanted to play fucking Tie Fighter again. So <laughs> fair enough. So for me, yeah, as I've said, these games are just second nature to me. One of the first, my mother or my father at some point must have bought for me this box set of like LucasArts classic adventures, which was like five games on like floppy disk. Uh, it included that uh, the original Maniac Mansion, Inia Jones, and the Last Crusade, uh, the first Monkey Island game, Secret of Monkey Island, Loom, which, holy fuck, sometime I'd need to have a conversation about Loom with our listeners. That game's fucking crazy. And Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. To do like a Twitch play along or something like that. Yeah. And like, that, just let you chat with the four fuck. people that care about that game along with you. That game so. is cracked the fuck out. And then after that, LucasArts every few years would release these like collections of their like most popular games. And this was Day of the Tentacle was in one of those. So I got it in like, I think they were called like the LucasArts archives or something like that. And it had 
this it had Day of the Tentacle, had Indiana Jones: The Fate of Atlantis, it had Sam and Max hit the road, uh, which would never play on my fucking computer. It would crash on the loading screen. Like I could get basically to where the logo started to load and then it would just freeze up and crash my fucking machine. So I didn't get to play it until like five years later. And then it had <laughs> it had a demo version of Star Wars Rebel Assault on it. It's so funny the how LucasArts was like divvied off where like one side was just like Star Wars making these goofy adventure games and then the other side was just Star yeah. Wars. And it's like, I wonder how much like where in the middle these guys met. Because like, I don't know. Usually you hear about game devs and they're all using the same engine or they're sharing notes on how to do stuff. And I'm like, what are the guys who are making TIE Fighter <laughs> sharing, sharing with, with the guys who are making with Dave or Tentacle? Sam and Max like, hit the road or some shit or whatever, yeah. you know, like, or vice versa. Yeah. Like, what are these guys telling the guys who are making TIE Fighter? Like the TIE Fighter guys are like, yeah, fine. Make your cartoon. Yeah. I guess <laughs> we're trying to make, we're doing physics engines and stuff over here. Like, just do your cartoon. It's fine. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Just I think, think most, about how mostly different... they're sharing like uh, Easter eggs, uh, which we'll get to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely played Day of the Tentacle probably at least 10 times over the years and many of these other games as well. So, all right, let's get right into it. Overall impressions of the game. I'm going to go to Paul first rather than Mark because I don't want to start on a sour note. Uh, this game it holds up for me in charm, I think, more than anything else. Because there, it has this kind of slow, deliberate quality to it, even in the way that the characters speak. I find it to be, like, that campy, kind of cheesy funny that I would expect from someone like Eugene Levy or somebody like yeah. that. Just by their, he did the Maniac Mansion thing, and it was, I don't know. There, it's This game never once takes itself seriously like it's always just the silliest fucking thing and so uh, in terms of the the dialogue and story and the characters and things like that i find that to be super charming in terms of the game mechanics like i was playing the remastered version and i found it kind of annoying because the way that they have things set up is different from the original but i didn't i didn't realize that on the ps4 you can just hit the uh that middle button, the touchpad, the touchpad, and it switches right over to the original graphics mm. and la- uh, button layout. And so yeah. I, once I realized that I played it in the classic format the entire time. Okay. But it was, I thought the pixels and all I flipped back and forth. Cause the remaster on steam also does like, you can play the pixel version. So like I would more during cutscenes and stuff, just kind of flip to see like what the difference in yeah. rendering was like, it was neat the way they actually, it almost looked like they just did like high night, like bigger, like they traced the original drawings. Yeah or whatever, like the original mm-hmm. pixel art, and then just like did a detail pass on them kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. it was neat. Though. Like, I liked that. That was cool. The way Yeah, they, they always do a good job on these remasters like that. Like, they make it pretty pretty easy to switch back and forth and like really compare. And in this case, I don't think the original release of Day of the Tentacle was voice acting in it. I think it was just like a text, on-screen text kind of thing. But I think the CD-ROM version, which was the first version that I played, which was in the LucasArts Archive collection in 95, I think that one had the voice acting in it and that makes it don't think this game would be as good without the voice acting yeah in terms of the quality of like the puzzles themselves i think they're still hold up pretty well like i've played through it before so i wasn't going to get stumped by anything but like i remember being a kid and we'll talk about it later but like man yeah there's some some noodle scratches on that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> indeed when you're 10 years when you're 10 years old <laughs> yeah and the, the nice thing is and those box sets would come with with walkthrough guides I always had those to refer back to rather than having to like call a fucking helpline or something like that 
So mm-hmm. the first times that I played yeah. most of these games, I probably I was definitely playing with uh with walkthroughs. Mm-hmm. I certainly was not because I I was staying over at a friend's house and like playing it by myself oh. while like like I just, there were some points where I was like what the fuck? yeah but yeah uh, <laughs> all right okay Mark give it to us it's just not okay <laughs> the way it works that when did this game came out nineteen ninety three was the original version ninety three this is the first time I've ever really played through the whole thing and it's two thousand nineteen. <laughs> It just doesn't hold up mechanically as a new experience for me. So I was playing it and just like, I hate the way this plays. <laughs> this is super annoying. Like the dialogue and stuff, like none of it was really charming me, I guess. I don't know. Like it didn't grab me the way you guys are talking about it. Like it's so well written and all this stuff. And I'm like, huh, it just seemed hokey. And I don't know. It just didn't, <laughs> it didn't grab me. Yeah, exactly. That's I know. The and thing. that's is the thing. Like the point, but the it camp. didn't grab me. And I just, I, I wasn't in, I don't know. I just, I was playing. I'm like, is, I get that it's supposed to be campy, but I should be amused by it, but I'm not. So I guess I just suck is basically what it is. Like, I, <laughs> it's just not, it's just not your genre and and that's okay. Yeah, no. And it kind of comes, it's, it is one of those things where like 1993, like we were playing NES, like I, I like adventure games. I would not play an RPG. I think the first time I wouldn't even play Zelda until like a couple years later because i was like it's too rpg-ish i do not like turn-based stuff i want to control what's going on like have some physical or like i guess manual challenge to the game or like yeah. kind of mechanical challenge to the game and there's no mechanical challenge to this game whatsoever there's no learning curve yeah. to it so i'm just like yeah. all right here we go well there's there's a learning curve in terms of trying to f- put yourself but not in the way not in the like reflexy kind of way that you're talking about the learning yeah. curve is training yourself to think like you're in a fucking cartoon yeah that i mean which is relatively easy for me to do so like that wasn't that wasn't a super challenge like my only thing was like some of the like the puzzles in these lucasarts games can be pretty fucking yeah unless you're like a hundred percent in like that bubble i guess so there was a couple puzzles early on before i was just like i just i'm just gonna game tax this i can't do this anymore where i was just like why did that open that how does rubbing a, a napkin against the wall open the fucking lock like i don't like it was shit like that where i was like what is going yeah. on so like that kind of stuff like i know i get as part of the charm it just doesn't work for me so i don't know so for my part listeners probably have already figured out by this point this is one of those games that just feels like slipping into an old broken in pair of jeans for me like i've played it through enough times that i have a lot of the dialogue just straight up memorized it's probably been I don't think I've played this since I moved to Atlanta. So it's probably been at least 10 years since I've played any version of this game. But even so, it's just been, you know, when I was in my like teens, I would play it like once a month or something like that kind of thing. So it's, you know, it's comfort food in a game for me. The same way probably like Symphony of the Night is for Mark. The same way probably like yes. the old Final Fantasy games probably are for Paul or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, yeah, those the old Metro, like the Metroid that came out around this time, like Super Metroid is ninety five yeah. or ninety four or something like that, and then Castlevania is ninety seven. Like those are the games that I go back to, and they're in this era kind of yeah. thing. So. so yeah, so yeah, I I love it. I love the humor. I love the the writing, the voice acting. It just all works for me. The the stylistic nature of it, you know, being sort of this off kilter, like you feel like you're fucking playing, living or controlling a Tim Burton movie kind of thing through the whole thing mm-hmm. right and and i i love that sort of you know slightly off kilter little slapsticky but also kind of dark and sticky kind of humor and everything so yeah i fucking love this game yeah 
All right. I realized just now that I hadn't really gone over the rough plot of the game. So I'm going to do a really quick plot recap for our listeners, for anybody that for whatever reason has not played Day of the Tentacle. So Maniac Mansion, basically, nutshell, the prequel to this game, you go to a mansion. This guy, Dave's girlfriend, has been kidnapped by a like a mad scientist named Dr. Fred, who's been possessed by a meteor. And the whole game is you rescuing your girlfriend. And then this game is... Can we just explain possessed by a meteor i don't <laughs> the meteor sentient <laughs> okay because they mentioned that in this game and i was like even for this game that makes no fucking sense <laughs> and they don't really elaborate on it and i'm like that must be from maniac mansion because i know the game's in there like i, I found yeah. the game up in the, the yeah. dude's bedroom and i was like oh this must be what tim was talking about i'm there's no fucking way i'm trying to do this <laughs> yeah. maniac mansion is it's a quick play but it's really hard and it's a really difficult game it, because Again, they had. I played the NES version. The I was just thinking I played the NES version of that game. When it, remember when it came out, we rented it a couple times, and I was like, I don't even know yeah. how, what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So yeah. let's just take it back and get Mario three again or Mario. Yeah, 2 they again, hadn't they hadn't figured out like what the is balance happening? of like you know how much to guide the character and stuff like that at the point of ma- the original mm. Maniac Mansion, and they also had this mechanic where main character Dave, who you had to play as, and then you pick two others out of a slate of about six i think or something like that and each of them yeah. had their own skills but they also had things that they couldn't do so you could beat the game differently depending on or certain puzzles or whatever you could get through differently depending on which teammates you picked which i cannot even fucking mm. imagine what a nightmare that must have been in terms of game design just, just picture that Picture the giant white yeah picture the goddamn flowchart do that the nightmare chart. of flowchart yeah, yeah the flowchart <laughs> Because that would be, I'm just thinking like that would be the like my that is my fucking worst yeah. nightmare is drawing that flowchart to figure <laughs> out how to do like the variables on that like the how many I don't even know I don't want to do the math on and it, and to it. this day I've yet I'm sure somebody's done the math on this or you know sat down and figured it out I'm sure that there are combinations you can pick where you just can't beat the fucking game because you haven't picked people that have the right skill sets to get through all the puzzles which would be endlessly frustrating but that's Maniac Mansion that's a different can of worms uh, so this game basically picks up few years later or whatever and so bernard uh who is one of the potential companions you can pick in the original maniac mansion and his roommates hoagie who's bernard's is typical nerd hoagie is a uh, roadie for a metal band and laverne who is a, like really out there fucking spacey med student i guess are who you play as and so they're attempting to stop this purple tentacle who has gained delusions of grandeur and has plans to conquer the world after having drank toxic sludge and grown not even arms i guess but not even like hands flippers, <laughs> flippers. Like, like a penguin yeah. <laughs> so you take control of these three characters you can go back and forth between them they end up split up amongst different time periods you know one ends up 200 years in the past one in the present and one in the future and so there are a lot of time travel elements and stuff like that while you're basically trying to thwart this evil purple tentacles world domination plans anyways it is as ridiculous like you said it really is just like playing a fucking cartoon yeah so let's just get into it was there any parts in particular any anything that you really really enjoyed about the game that you want to shout out right off the bat the voice acting yeah i love the characters they're so stereotypical but like, it's almost like they codified these things. It was just sorry, this is this. I'm thinking exactly the same thing, and I'm drawing it as a negative. Like in my <laughs> yeah. head, I was like, yeah, they're all super stereotypical characters. Like this is like by the numbers nerd, <laughs> by the numbers metalhead, by the numbers space <laughs> cadet stoner. Yeah, 
And it, to me, it was a frustration. <laughs> so, okay, interesting. Okay, yeah. To like, me, if, like, if I don't know. Into um, it, if you buy into it. I feel like the nostalgia yeah. for it, like, I just don't have it. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm, like, totally lost here. So, Well, to me, I think that in spite of the fact that they these characters are stereotypical characters, each one of them kind of subverts the the tone of their voice, I guess. Like, Bernard is, like, a pretty assertive character in spite of being, like, the prototypical nerd. Yeah, the, the beta um, male yeah. nerd kind of character, yeah. Yeah. And Hoagie is, like... Hoagie's Hoagie. Like, he's pretty charming. But my favorite is Laverne. And no surprise there. She's, like, totally spacey, but she's got this thing about, like, cutting things open. Yeah. And she's, like... She'll th- she'll throw in these l- little random asides about... Super and, dark. Like... She, like yeah. My, I have an agreement with my therapist that I can't do that. Like, if you try and use, use her yeah. scalpel on an animal or some shit. Right. <laughs> I was going to make a a comment about like, they each start with their own uh, beginning items and hers. Like she's just carrying around a scalpel (laughs) all the time. Like you're really casually. I noticed that it was like, it's got red on the tip too. Like it's a bloody (laughs) scalpel too. Yeah. It's been used and we don't know who, how, when, or why. And there's a character in the the game that is like pretty prominent. It's a hamster. Like there's like a lot of hamsters (laughs) happening. And I'm like, Laverne, no. (laughs) (laughs) And at one point she does put the hamster in a microwave. She sure does. (laughs) You have to do. (laughs) And then she makes comments about like, man, I hope this isn't like the microwaves back in my day. Those things could really (laughs) pop a hamster. Like she knew. She yeah, did. like she she had experience popping hamsters, and I was like, and apparently is... there's there's an there's a Steam achievement. I played the game on Steam uh, yeah. on PC because that's how it's fucking meant to be played. You savages! And <laughs> hey, I played it on PC. Go fuck okay. yourself. Uh, you started playing I it the on game over. I mean, I played the good old okay, games okay. version though. I just didn't play on the uh... no because I couldn't play it with a controller right, and right, switch. Right, remember, right, like yeah. I, had, I was like, this is this is going to drive me insane, even more insane. Than this game's already <laughs> going to drive me. I'm switching to a mouse and keyboard. There's a uh, there's a Steam achievement apparently where you can put the hamster back in the microwave, which I've never done because I'm not a fucking sadist. But uh, <laughs> but uh, apparently it does like get even closer to popping. If you put it back in the second time, mm. and yeah. Oh my god. Anyways, go on, Paul. That would have added another 10 minutes to the playtime. I wasn't <laughs> doing that. Right. But it's those little touches where if you're not doing like a speed through run and you want to like kind of enjoy things, like watching the the characters interact with certain things, like things that you would expect Laverne to do, and you try to do that with Bernard, and he's like, what the fuck, no, yeah. like kind of thing. Like, there's like little interactions that you can do with certain items and like and combinations where you can see that the script writers and the game developers really thought through each like item, character, yeah. uh, object interaction. And I love that attention to detail in it because it, it would have taken like a lot, they could have just not done it. Yeah. And one of the reasons that this game feels so rich to me is that it like that dialogue was very well thought out and there's a lot of it. Yeah. Like you can play around with a lot of different things and then you get to learn a little bit more about the characters as you go. And yeah. The, and sometimes the more you learn about a character, like <laughs> the Laverne, more the you're le- disturbed. <laughs> but, and the more I stand her, yeah. like, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah. And I agree. Like there is, a that's one of the things I love about not just this game, but all this era of, of these games is, this is very much an example of like, they didn't have to go that hard, but they did, you know, they could have just had like very generic responses for if you use something random with something that's clearly not meant to be used with. And in some cases they do, but in other cases it's like, okay, here's the little Easter egg for you. Like 
you're a sick fuck. You shouldn't have tried to do that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, the typical, like, I can't use this here thing is not, they do that sometimes, but they often they'll just go the extra mile and be like, why would I do that? Yeah. Go like, yeah. and and they break the fourth wall a lot yeah. to kind of like to bring you in, but also to like sometimes outright insult you yeah. or like. And I love that too. Like Make getting, you question your own morals and shit. Yeah, <laughs> getting told off by the characters or getting being complicit with Laverne's crazy yeah. sometimes is really fun. Yeah, so, I like that little yeah. moment when Bernard like totally breaks the fourth wall and is like, sometimes I don't know why I do things. It's almost like I'm being controlled by some malevolent unseen hand or something like that. Like some <laughs> <Yeah>. puppet master. <laughs> yeah. And like this is like I love tw- a 26 year old game where like being that self-aware was not common, right? Yeah. Especially yeah, so you know, it's not like a, you know, your Deadpool where he's breaking the fourth wall every fucking 30 seconds or some shit. Yeah. So, but yeah, that is like going right into the humor. The humor in this game is right up my fucking alley. It's dark. It's very often like absurdist and meta and irreverent and kind of Dadaist kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it and it all, but at the same time, it pays a lot of homage to classic cartoon sticks. Like, there's so much like squash and stretch animation in this kind of thing. Going back to those like old Disney and Warner Brothers shorts and that kind of thing as well. And I really appreciate that. And it really is like you're playing a fucking cartoon. Yeah. I did like the, uh, the Pepe Le Pew shout out. That was probably yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Part when of the you, game. when you make the, the skunk. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty, yeah. I was like, huh, at least they referenced. Yeah. And I like the, the meta humor, uh, with the, uh, where they reference that show that Paul was talking about that was on like fucking YTV or some shit like that. I don't yeah. even know if it ever made it yeah. to the U S at all. Cause I, like you could look at that show in ten seconds and window like this is such a fucking Canadian production. Yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, it w- I remember watching it with him too. Like that was the worst <laughs> yeah, part. It was on YTV. He made yeah. me watch it, it a lot. It was on YTV, <laughs> yeah. and I believe it was on Friday nights around like the Are You Afraid of the Dark like yeah, Friday yeah. night time like slot. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think uh, it, I think it was what came after Are You Afraid of the Dark? If I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. And it would usually be just as I was coming in to be like, can you please get out of here so I can watch the goddamn X-Files? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Please. So there is that. And like, and, but I think that it didn't come to the States until it was available on freeform TV. And I think that was later Mm -hmm. maybe, but yeah, definitely very much that. Yeah. And they talk about the, the computer game that got made about their story and everything, which is ostensibly the original game. And like, then a whole plot point of the game is how they got fucked over because they didn't get paid for the royalties and because Dr. Fred didn't pay the, or didn't sign, didn't sign the contract contract and everything. Yeah. 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 So, well, that brings me into the, the time travel again, longtime listeners will know that I love smart time travel stories and, and games and stuff like that. And this uses that to great effect. A lot of times there's a lot of like fun, clever time travel gags, like, you got shit like you get wine and then you send it to the past or no, you put uh, wine in a time capsule in the past. And then 400 years later in the future, a different character pulls it out as vinegar because you need vinegar to make something. And then you send it back 400 years to where that bottle originated, where the vinegar is required and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And putting the sweater in the dryer and then just feeding it with quarters for 200 years until it's shrunk down to hamster size. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, like it's very much like that Back to the Future Bill and Ted like time travel humor style of things. Yeah. 
and having um the historical figures in the the past with Hoagie, yeah. and it was a, such a good choice to put Hoagie in the past because <laughs> his like Wayne's World stoner attitude uh, the way he interacts with like George Washington and stuff like that yeah he's it's just like what ebbs I'm just in the past I guess okay. yeah he's yeah. Just, blo- yeah. just super blase about the whole thing yeah I really enjoyed that and yeah a lot of the the way that they have the time travel be part of the puzzle and that the logic of it was really cool yeah yeah but those are some of the things that stumped me too yeah some of those can be tricky but while you're talking about those like the founding father characters i i really love the depiction of the founding fathers as these just like total like bickering caricatures back and forth with each other like washington as this like pompous self-absorbed ass and like Hancock is the neurotic hypochondriac, like chattering in the corner, and Jefferson is like just a total fucking like buffoon. Yeah. Just total idiot. I really appreciate that. With like Hancock wanting to build a fire and Washington basically being like, no, you can't. You can't build a fire. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, what? (laughs) Jefferson being like, I need this log for posterity. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Were there any particular favorite characters that you have? We've already talked about a few, but they're a main character or a side character. Paul already said that he sort of stands Laverne. Laverne but, forever! Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Mark, were there any characters that really did grab you despite your parent disdain for this game? The doctor kind of made me laugh yeah. a, a fair bit. Like, he was pretty good. Yeah. Just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, like, just does not fucking care about anything that's happening around him. I was like, I relate to this dude right now. Like, I don't fucking care about it. And he's sarcastic as shit, too. Dr. Fred is such a sarcastic asshole. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I was enjoying that. I was about two hours in. I was like, maybe we should just let the tentacle win, (laughs) I think. Like, that's where I kind of was. Because he was doing good stuff, like meeting the president and shit. I'm like, I'm on board with with this tentacle, I think. It's probably better than the the current president. To be fair, you're not wrong. To be be fair. There it is. Uh, we're going to have to do that Letterkenny episode probably soon, yeah. too, boys. <laughs> we keep referencing it. We've never actually <laughs> talked about it. It's going to be... Oh, you guys, Little Kenny came out this week. Little Kenny. We didn't talk about. They did little animated shorts about like the, oh. the guys while they were in grade school. But like they just swear and do all the same shit that they were doing <laughs> as adults. It's It was pretty funny. Nice. So there's like six episodes that are all like three minutes apart. So. <laughs> Paulette, how about you? Any other characters besides Laverne that you were really digging? What's her name? The one who made the American flag. I can never remember her name. Oh, Be- Betsy, Betsy Ross. Ross. Betsy Ross. Like yeah. her, just her uh, manic energy. I was feeling that Betsy a Ross, lot. I think. And I love the hamster is always delightful to watch as a sight gag. No, wait. Wait, Betty Ross is the fucking That's Hulk from the character. Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Betty Ross. Betsy Ross, I was not sure. Betty Ross is for sure the character from The Incredible Hulk. Betsy Ross is the one who made the flag. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Okay, there you Anyways. go. Yeah. So Betsy yeah. Ross was right. Yeah, her just like not having any of it. He's yeah. being like, you motherfuckers, keep changing shit on yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I really liked it Like <laughs> that she was just like fucking over it. I liked that a lot. Exasperated, like would make anything that was put on the table in front yeah, of her. Yeah, pretty much. And um, Green. <laughs> I like Green because he's just pleasant. Like, he's just trying his best, and he's just, like, overwhelmed and scared. He's trying to get his metal band going. Yeah, you know. His, <laughs> his industrial band. <laughs> I can relate oh, to that. Oh, man. There's another achievement, apparently, on Steam, by the way, that if you turn on his music at any point and then just leave it playing through the end of the game, you get, like, a metalhead achievement or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I never turned it off. 
when I when I initially turned it on. I remember it bugging the shit out of me when I was in Bernard's scenario. And I was like, why? Like, yeah. I, I like I'm trying to get why to is this. It, still on? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't just default to off after the you've solved that puzzle. No, it just keeps going because that's what this game is about, yeah. you know? Like Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe it's not an achievement on the, on the PS4. PS4 or version. maybe it's I got it and achievement didn't notice. on the Steam version. Yeah. Yeah. There was about 20, like for me, having played this game and you know, so many times, there's a pair I think there was like 20 something achievements that I missed on Steam. And a lot of them are just like, hey, you know, if you use this one obscure object with this one obscure object, then like you get a funny line of dialogue or something like that. Like one of them is if you use the booby gone with the, uh, which is like the whiteout basically with the disappearing ink, it has like a matter antimatter effect or something like that. And like causes some crazy time travel paradox or some shit. Yeah. (laughs) But most of them just seem to be like, some of them are like obscure bits of dialogue trees and shit like that. And so, and that's what I lo- like. Again, the, there was definitely the number of times I played this game. There were definitely lines of dialogue that I'd never tried before, and you know, just tried in this this playthrough kind of thing because that's what these are, games are all about: is providing you with a bunch of options that are ultimately superficial because there's only one ultimate solution. But you've got you know all these different just sort of fun things to yeah do in the in the interim. I like that they anticipated what we might try. You know, like we've got these sets of things together and like we're going we're not going to punish you for trying those things. Yeah. We're going to reward you for like your being. A, yeah, for exploring for, and, and problem yeah. solving, because that's what you, you kind of. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I think this game probably or these games in general, probably like I consider myself problem solving to be one of my major sort of professional skills. And yeah, part of that is my Ph.D., but I feel like the sort of the root of that is partially in these games and just you know not being punished for trying different things as you know as long as you know that you're in a safe environment or whatever which in these games i knew that i wasn't gonna die if i picked a wrong dialogue option or some shit like that it was just you know exploring all of the options and that kind of thing and yeah the joys of trial and error without you know yeah. like being screwed over for it or like picking one wrong turn and like missing something forever this game yeah. is good about and considering i've been replaying final fantasy games like that kind of anxiety is always on my mind if i take this road instead of this road i won't be able to get this secret for later and stuff like mm-hmm. that like final fantasy 9 is kind of notorious for that with certain things like there's a lot of missables and here it was just kind of like there's three like different ecosystems and you can access everything pretty much at any time and everything's fine you know, and that, yeah. that that's a very freeing experience for an RPG. Yeah, player. exactly. And this and the stuff that you do miss is just stuff that is basically Easter eggs or stuff that's not gonna screw you over later on, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And like if you want to go back and get achievements, like playing through this game is not that big of a deal. So like if you there are yeah. if you've got trophies or achievements that you want to go back and get, it won't take yeah. you that long to do. So yeah. How long did it take you guys to play through? What was your playtime? Two hours? Like two hours? Something like that? Two or three hours? Really? Mine was six and a half or something like that. I, I'd have to boot in, but I think it was five total by the time I was I, done. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I was I got through it as quickly as I could because I really just wanted to like get the feel of it again. But I beat it yeah, yeah. all the way through. Like I okay. I used to walk through a couple times. I think the vinegar. Yeah. Maybe it was anyway, we'll talk about that. 
later, but yeah. We can get into that now. So were there any puzzles in particular that really did trip you up that you needed to like check out a walkthrough or hints or anything on? Paul, you said it was the, the vinegar? The vinegar, and back in the day, I remember the, the tentacle costume puzzle mm. got me. I mm. was like, what, wait, what, how do you, what? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> there's somebody that makes clothes in this game. It took me a really long time to like put that together yeah. in my brain because I'm like going through like where, like there's, it, it, can you find a tentacle? Like, why would they have a tentacle costume in the future when everyone is tentacles or human pets basically and then uh, so i thought it had to be in bernard's area it had to be for some reason and then it like it yeah. never occurred to me so when i went back to hoagies like uh and then i see and i'm like oh that needs to be made that makes sense now so that puzzle stumped me for a while back in the day and then this time around it it was probably the vinegar because i was like oh yeah wait. Mm-hmm. yeah because just the logic of it is like oh it makes total sense like and i'm a i was a wine drinker so i've definitely accidentally <laughs> tasted vinegar before <laughs> but yeah. you know yeah tainted bottle yeah here and there yeah the ones so so those ones for me like the the vinegar and the the tentacle costume are ones that when I got them, like they made such an impression on me. It was like, oh, that's really clever that I remember them going back and playing them. The ones that trip me up are the ones that are just like, oh, that's kind of like banal, like kind Mm -hmm. of fucking boring or whatever. So those are the ones that I don't remember. So there were a couple that one took me a while to get, but I eventually got without looking at the walkthrough was, and I know that this is one that used to get me way back when I was playing this game originally is the teeth for the mummy for the human contest, I always thought they had to be George Washington's wooden teeth, which when, when they blow out of his mouth with the cigar, you see them like bounce off. And I'm like, okay, I must need to fucking go get those and give them to, or like either I had to use those for the mummy or I had to swap those out with the horse to get his dentures Mm -hmm. or something like that in order to get his dentures. And then, like, what you actually have to do is you have to read the fucking horse, the physics textbook, to get it to fall asleep, which I, like, there's no hint or no, like, prompt for that whatsoever. So it it took me a while to fucking remember that that was what I needed to do. Yeah. I think that was the loop where I got, I was like, I'm done. I'm just going to go fucking grab the game facts (laughs) and get through this. Because I got through, Vinegar didn't trip me up, I don't think. The costume one... Maybe it was the costume one. I can't remember which comes first now. It's part of the problem. Uh, well, they, it, it all kind of happens in the middle of the game. Yeah. The, the not, I don't think either of those are in a particular order. You could do them in either order. Yeah. So those two kind of like, those probably were, were, were where I got caught up and was like, I'm just going to game fax this because I'm already hating my yeah. life. So. <laughs> and then the other one that, that I actually did have to look up a hint for was getting the mouse toy away from the cat oh so annoying oh yeah yeah that one yeah that that is the least intuitive fucking puzzle in the entire game i think yeah though you know what the one that really got me and i think it was more the controls than anything else was the getting the chattering teeth into the hole to pick it up yeah having having to pick up the having to open the grate yeah like this forcing it into the hole for some reason that's what she said like (laughs) yeah just like it took so fucking long and i was like if i could just control him crazy Phrasing? With a fucking analog stick. I'm just going to say it. I don't fucking care. We call phrasing at the end. Like, if I could just control him with an analog stick like a real video game, I'd be able to do this in like five seconds. 
But because I got to click him into points, yeah, and it just kind of meanders around you. I was like, I hate this. This <laughs> fuck. Oh my god! It took me that probably added twenty five minutes to my playthrough. Really, time, getting that fucking t- yeah, it would just wouldn't cooperate with me. Wow, it, just kept going it went back. straight in for me. That phrase. No, no. <laughs> Free, yeah, fine, good, good for Alicia. You know, congratulations, guys. Oh God, fuck. That was, I think, that was the point where I was like, I probably messaged you guys. That was when I messaged you. Like, and was like, and was like I'm done fuck with this guys. fucking I game. Hate this. Yeah. this fucking game is driving me yeah. insane because I was already kind of like, oh, this is annoying. But like that, where I was like, you're, I know because I'm reading the walkthrough, and I'm like, I know it has to go over there and like just yeah. fall in. Yeah, just fall in the fucking. I was like Happy Gilmore yelling at the fucking screen. Are you too good for a hole? Dude, you're too good for your hole. Yeah, I was just screaming at the oh, one so annoying. quality of life anyway. improvement. I'm not sure if this was in the original game. I don't remember this, but I remember like having to flushing items and having to go back to the porta potty to flush the items. Yeah. And now you can just just send them over. Yeah, you can via just the click menu. and drag them to the character's icon. Yes. yes, which they did not explain very well for me. So I was I like kind of doing the back and forth a couple times, and I was like. Eventually, I don't know how. I think it was because I, I, when I looked at the walkthrough, it was like you can just send them back and forth. I was like, "Mother, yeah, fucker." That was like, "What the like, fuck?" Somebody fucking tell me that because I have been trucking my ass back to the. I'll agree. I'll agree bodies. with that. The game needs a, a little bit more tutorial of how to work yeah. the the getting the uh, materials. So, for listeners that might not play the game, I don't. It's so that. easy to do. So, but it's like they don't tell you. So you're like, yeah. "What the fuck? Why?" The time travel devices are porta potties uh, oh, called yeah. chronojohns and so and you can exchange items back and forth through time in them by putting them into the chronojohn and then one of the other characters in different time periods can then take them out so yeah i agree i do agree with that and it, uh, the minute that i realized oh shit yeah i remember and i realized it pretty early on that i could just drag it to their icon or whatever i was like yeah that makes this shit way easier yeah yeah, that changed the way I was playing the game yeah. significantly. Like I was between that and the the teeth, I was like, "This is mechanically <laughs> making me want to die." Yeah. Like I just want this to end. And it was counterintuitive for me too that Laverne could still get shit. Phrase pun intended. Uh, in, yeah, in, yeah. in her chronojohn, even without it being plugged in, it seems like that wouldn't fucking work. Yeah, it seems yeah, like I'm, it would have to be plugged in for her to be able to like receive items in it. So that was it. it was like I was fucking around in, with Laverne in the future for a while trying to figure out how to get her fucking chronojohn plugged in and then eventually realized i didn't fucking have to yeah yeah that was yeah so that's pretty well see my problem is because until you have her costume going back out there is such a fucking hassle because you got to like talk to the goddamn guard and like blah 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 why are they doing this to me like why does this game hate me so much and then it when i when i found in the walkthrough that you could just flip in between i was like yeah. God. <laughs> so I realized we meandered away. We tangented as we tend to do. And I never got to say my favorite character. And it's a side character. I love Dwayne, the suicidal novelty goods inventor. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just sitting there all sad in his room. And then you give him false hope with that, like, letter encouraging him to go to Baltimore because somebody, like, wants to see his inventions yeah. or whatever. And so every time I play through the game, I always wonder what happens to Dwayne. Like he just goes to Baltimore and then he's just randomly wandering around trying to figure out who wants his, his novelty goods inventions. And I'm pretty sure eventually ends up killing himself anyway, because because he goes to Baltimore. I mean, there's that. 
but there's also the fact that we actually witnessed his suicide attempt. Like, he actually fucking pulls the trigger on himself in the game. And yeah, it does the fucking, like, bang, go through the ears, Looney Tunes fucking comedy yeah. thing. But I'm like, I, at, at this point in my life, this, I was this like... This went to a dark place. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> ah. you, this is a game I don't think you could make in 2019 and have people be okay Not with that it. Scene. Definitely not that. What? Yeah. It's just like that was definitely like like uncomfortable <laughs> laughter moment for me. Yeah. For like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Oh boy. Uh, so and then so spinning off of that, like this is obviously a game that is built on comedy. Were there any particular gags? whether it's like dialogue joke or physical gag or something like that, or even like an object, like, you know, you combine two objects or whatever that, uh, that really got you. One of the things was Bernard being totally clueless about the guy trying to steal something from the trunk. <laughs> he's just like, Hey guy, what's going on? Yeah. And he's got yeah. a fucking ski mask on and he's prying, trying to pry open the trunk with a crowbar. The crowbar. And I like, just, and he just like, like casually hands over the keys like no like nothing's <laughs> wrong i still find that to yeah. be that whole puzzle to be fucking hilarious because bernard is just so inept and clueless just that yeah oblivious. just great yeah. yeah i'm always a fan of the fact that you were encouraged to push nurse edna down the fucking <laughs> stairs yeah <laughs> that was the one where i was like that's that's pretty rough man like that's yeah that's pretty intense. And then and then as we also talked about Laverne's little disclaimer, like kids that put hamsters in microwaves back where I come from get taken away from their <laughs> parents and put up for adoption. So don't do it. Like that's clearly something that they were like, all right, if we're gonna have this in here, we have to have this fucking disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also provides some sad but hilarious backstory for poor Laverne. So, <laughs> yeah, indeed. And well, poor Laverne, poor Laverne's the, fucking yeah. pets. Well, there's that. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. And then the other ones for me, like the the ones I really appreciate. Again, like these are just like they didn't have to put that in there, but they did. Are like interactive elements that are just there for the gag, not part of a puzzle or anything like that. Like there's Ben Franklin's like underwear drawer that you can try and open, and then Hoagie's like. I don't want to go looking through his underwear and yeah. shit like that. Or like, or like the, the whole little bit where there's a mirror where you can like see a reflection of some of his plans on the wall. And he looks at, it, he's like, Whoa, there's some sort of secret message here. Cause like, that's definitely the sort of shit you'd find in an adventure mm-hmm. game. And then it's like, Oh no, that's just a coffee stain. <laughs> yeah. It's the, I like that. Like, it's already subverting tropes, like in a genre that's like five yeah. years old. It's very self-referential <laughs> and like it never, it always, it takes the piss out of itself a lot. And a lot of those gags in particular make me really laugh. Like just the, any of the meta humor is really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Well, like the whole dystopian future where humans are subservient to the tentacles, like that spin on Planet of the Apes kind of thing and the human shows. Yeah. I, always find a nice little rye, rye yeah bit. and the fact that the guard can be bribed with gift certificates to a restaurant and stuff like that i uh, i <laughs> thought that was particularly poignant because the moms at my school try to do that with me all the time and they send like they give me they give me <laughs> gift cards for like the the malls near by or the department stores as just like a gift and i'm just kind of like 
well, you know, there's like no actual grades in this school, but oh, sure, I'll take your money, whatever, you're rich, I don't care, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, so in the dystopian future, I can be bought, just so you know. If I can buy pretty shoes at the local Korean department store, then it's all fine, it's all good. Yeah. And then even after that, you go to the trouble of bribing the guard and he leaves and you free the Edisons, and they won't fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. leave. <laughs> They're like, actually, we got a pretty sweet deal yeah. here. And I know if we leave, we're just going to get chased by that fucking asshole tentacle with the shitty stories and the giant yeah. net. So. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's start to wrap up here. One thing I didn't have this, uh, I didn't give this to you guys in advance, but these LucasArts games are notorious for Easter eggs, both from other LucasArts games and like Star Wars games, which are part of LucasArts as well. So were there any particular Easter eggs that jumped out at you while you were playing that you want to call out? Did you catch the picture of Jar Jar in uh, the colonial times in the inn on the wall? I did see that. That would be one that, one that, that one. they must have only put in the remaster because the fucking prequels yeah. weren't out. And there's also Max, the rabbit from Salmon Max, is on the walls in there, too. Yeah, there's a Vader and a calendar, yep. like, really early on. I remember seeing that. Yeah, um, I mean, Obviously, the entirety of Maniac Mansion is available to play when yeah. you get up to, is it Ed? Ed's, yeah, Ed's Ed? room. Yeah, Ed's room. There's uh, an Easter egg where I think it's Bernard that's talking to Nurse Edna. And she asks about, like, don't I know you? And he's like, no, my name is Threepwood. And <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yep. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a couple of uh, of those Monkey Island ones. Bernard, one of the things he can say to try and distract the conventioneer, or one of the things he does, uh, what he does say to distract the conventioneer to switch the flag gun with the lighter gun is uh, look behind you, a three-headed monkey, mm. which is like a gag from Monkey Island as well. And he, there's also the that set of exchanges where you can say to the conventioner, like, has anybody ever told you you look like Don Amici and shit like that? And then one of the things he'll say back is, that's strange. My wife says I look like the ghost pirate LeChuck, who's the main villain in the uh, Monkey Island mm-hmm. series. Uh, there, were, there were a couple that were outside of the LucasArts sort of family. If you ask Hoagie to look at the log that Thomas Jefferson has, uh, Thomas Jefferson has, he says, it's big, it's heavy, it's uh, wood. Ren and Stimpy, right. <laughs> From Ren and Stimpy. And then the one that was a real deep cut, like, you can tell that these guys are, like, you know, well-versed in pop culture, like camp and old, like, 50s movies and stuff like that, too. But uh, at one point, uh, Bernard, I can't remember who Bernard's talking to, but they're trying to figure out how to make money to buy the diamond. And he says something about, like, putting on a show in the old barn which is very much the plot to holiday Inn, the old like oh. bing crosby movie <laughs> that is really obscure <laughs> yeah that's it like that's yeah. a fucking deep cut Damn. right yeah i didn't I, yeah there's a yeah. obviously like depending on what your frame of reference is you might not you're not going to catch everything but like because you might just like completely yeah. miss an interaction but that's one of the joys of replaying the games i guess is that you can like hunt those down and deep dive into them. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, exactly. You know, as you, there's definitely a replayability to these, even though there's only sort of one game path, there's definitely stuff that you might catch on a replay or that you might not have tried on your first replay that triggers something fun, even if it's not necessary for the, you know, to progress mm-hmm. the game or whatever. 
And the very last thing I want to sort of call out is, like I said, this is a remaster of the game, the what we were playing, and I think they did do a really good job of the remaster. It, it still has the overall feeling that I remember and style of the original game, but obviously the fucking graphics are great, quote-unquote graphics. I mean, it's still like a 2D game, are vastly improved, and the resolution yeah. is vastly improved. Um, and the music is much better, but the cool thing about this and other LucasArts games is the music system that they put into place, which people probably sort of take in, take for granted today is it had this system where as you move through an environment, like into a different room in the house, the music would seamlessly transition. Like it was still the same music, but different elements mm-hmm. of it would come in and out kind of thing. Like in this room, you'd have like, you know, some higher tones, which would be like, you know, maybe a flute or a clarinet or something like that. But in another room, there would just be like the baseline kind of thing. And those are all a really seamless transition. Yeah. And that helps to set the tone for each room. Like if you want to add that level of mystery or like, like set the tone for the character inside the room, like the, the way that the music is within the Betsy Ross room versus like the founding fathers and stuff like that. It, it adds a subtle yeah. feeling to each environment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you guys want to say about this game, or do you want to go ahead and and rate it and call it a night? Uh, I think final thoughts here in order, yeah. All right. Well, let's go to you then, Paul. Paul, what is your rating and your final thoughts on Day of the Tentacle? Um, I'm going to give this game a 9 out of 10 for, in terms of point-and-click adventures, like, this is probably one of my favorites. Like, this is, like, I like the genre, so, like, I'm I'm only rating it within the genre, and, <laughs> you know, like, because it is a pretty niche genre. <laughs> like, it's very yeah, niche. It's, it's very much you like, you're into it, or you're not. Yeah, and I kind of... Obviously, one of us is not. Yeah. <sighs> I like this game because of its humor, because of, some of the puzzles are kind of opaque, and yeah. it doesn't always hold up so well again the remaster does improve quality of life a lot but there's still some like tedium when it comes to certain puzzles like and a little bit of opaqueness about like who which items do i need to send to this person and in which time period and stuff like that that feels like you need a walkthrough to actually finish it which is kind of annoying but it into what it is as an experience i still really enjoy it so yeah nine out of ten cool (laughs) mark I don't know how to review this and like give it a rating because like I wish I enjoyed it more because like I know everybody loves these games and maybe I have to go back to it and play it again. But like this week I was playing it and it was just not grabbing me. But I feel like I'm missing out. I feel like there are other of these games that might grab you more in terms of the style. Like if you played something yeah. like Grim Fandango, that's more like noir. I played Grim and, Fandango yeah. and I kind of liked or, that or one like or like Full more. Throttle or something like that would probably yeah. be more up your alley. See like. Like the Indiana Jones games, like yeah. they worked for me because it was Indiana Jones. Like I was in that world. I just didn't, I didn't buy into this world. So I was yeah. like, this is really corny and it wasn't working for me. And I'm like, I feel like the odd man out. Cause like, I know I'm the odd man out. Like people love these games. I just feel like I came to it too late almost. Like it just wasn't the kind of game that I was interested in when I was a kid. So I never would have gone to it back then. And now I'm like, it's mechanically 30 years out of date. And it was never the kind of game that I would have enjoyed back then to regardless. With, yeah. So yeah so i'm like sorry guys it's like a five out of ten tops for me because it's just not my kind of thing like fair enough well every once in a while mark has to be objectively wrong about something mm-hmm. and I, I and i will admit this week <laughs> i am objectively wrong about it i just did not like day of the tentacle which is i know fucking blasphemy yeah. but this is a very well celebrated game this is one of the or examples of adventure yeah. games like 
game rankings hat which you know these are aggregator review sites game rankings has it at like 95 percent. metacritic has yep. it at like 93 it always shows up on people's and i'm not saying this just to be a dick to mark or whatever but just but it's to kind of to be a dick to mark review. too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just, just, to give, just to give the game it's due it shows up on like uh yeah. on on top top 100 top 50 games of all time kind of game and i remember even like as like we were diehard console yeah. gamers growing up like we read electronic gaming monthly which is basically exclusively console <laughs> game stuff and i remember when they did their 100 like the most important games of all time for their whatever 100th issue i remember this game was on that list even though it wasn't like it wasn't I, I don't think it had ever been ported i'm not sure if it had been ported to a proper like tv console in at that point when uh, that makes sense, like no i don't think so i think it's only ever been yeah it was only ever on pc back in the day and uh yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah so i remember hearing about it, it just was not something i mean it was something i was going to seek out so there you go there you go i've never played a final fantasy all the way through either so like <laughs> i am that guy i am like, there and i will be objectively wrong on those games because i give no shits about uh final fantasy whatsoever and you'd be so. wrong yeah, I'm the same way. Like, if we ever get, <laughs> yeah, if we ever get to play, if we ever Paul ever gets us to play one of those sixty-hour monstrosities, then uh, yeah, that's the thing. Is that that's I feel like that's the only reason that Mark did agree to do this is because it's like a fucking five, six-hour playthrough. Yeah, like I could rip through it in like at least a week. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a couple sit through, like couple, a couple, couple sit downs of playing. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, that's fine. Like we sort of want to sort of putting me in front of games that are take me twenty hours, and I'm gonna be like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna like this. Yep. Hence, you know, Witcher 3. Like, hey, that's 200 hours. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to work. Sorry, okay. Christy. Yeah, sorry, Christy. <laughs> For my part, I will... I'll go with Paul. This is a great game. I don't think it's a perfect game. So I'll go with a 9 out of 10 as well. There are certain puzzles that are just too fucking obtuse. There are a couple of... There are a couple points where I feel like it drags a little bit kind of thing. And you're just left... And I, and, you know, I understand this is your personal experience in playing the game and what pace you're doing stuff at where like you have to play through eight different dialogue trees to find the one thing that like finally moves the plot forward or gets the puzzle solved or whatever. But for the most part, I've, I really do enjoy this game. I the fucking comedy is right up my alley, the gameplay and everything and I it's just one of those really relaxing experiences. It's not a stressful game to play. It's just fun. It's like I said, it is like comfort food. It's just just something that I can play and enjoy and sit down and know that, you know, I'm I can de-stress and sort of deconnect or disconnect while I'm playing it rather than something where I'm going to get like real stressed out in a boss fight or something like that. And, you know, be, I'm never at risk of like throwing my mouse across the fucking room or anything when I'm playing any of these adventure games. And because of the steam summer sale, you listener can buy this game for like two fucking dollars right now, which pisses me off because I bought it like a week ago and it was like 15 bucks. So was it really? Yeah. How was this game 15 bucks? It's always on sale somewhere. I know. I play, like, I, I just grabbed it on Steam because I like needed to. I mean, I'm sure I could have like got it elsewhere. How did you not have it on Steam already is what I want to know. Like, I don't, I, I'm baffled by the fact that like you had never. I still have my original fucking CD-ROM. And to be fair, I've probably pirated this game when it was not available on stuff like Good Old Games or. Yeah. Uh, and, and there were uh, game engines or emulators like uh, Scum VM, the Scum mm-hmm. Virtual Machine. Yeah. Scum is, what's it called? story something the last two letters of it are for maniac mansion but it's basically the game sort of quote-unquote engine story engine or whatever that uh here it is a script creation utility for maniac mansion is sort of i guess the underlying programming to all of these games in terms of the flow chart 
kind of elements to it. Yeah, so Scum VM was the virtual machine that you could play all these games on in like that in-between kind of time in like the 2000s where I couldn't play like a fucking Windows 95 or like Windows ME game on like uh, on your Windows XP. Yeah, exactly. On a a Windows XP machine. So I I had that uh, virtual machine was playing it on there. So that was probably why I didn't have it until now. But yeah. So, all right. Well, with that, I guess we can move on to our final segment of the episode, which is Geek Cred, which is where each of us goes around and just sort of pimp something that we've been enjoying lately. So, Mark, since you did not like this, what are you going to recommend to our listeners this week? Letter Kenny, honestly. <laughs> they just put out six episodes of a thing called Little Kenny, which is like, it's little three-minute shorts of the Letter Kenny characters in grade school. Now, you usually when they do Muppet Baby versions of shit, I'm like totally out. But the sense of humor is exactly the same. So it's just those characters from Letter Kenny as grade school kids saying the same awful shit <laughs> uh just in like grade school voices so it's super fucking funny so like yeah if you haven't watched letter candy i was just i just rewatched it this week while i was sitting up here drawing and i was like man the show's fucking just the best <laughs> super funny show and since so we're probably several months away from an actual letter candy season yeah october is the next one so like my yeah it's around they, they're giving me a season for my birthday this mm-hmm. year instead of making me wait till christmas so <laughs> Because usually it's Christmas Day tradition to uh, go to Grandma's house for dinner and then Binge come home Letter and watch Kenny. the new season of Letterkenny. Yeah. The last couple of years uh, have been very much go to Grandma's and then come home and watch six episodes of Letterkenny and work off that turkey. You know what nice. I mean? So, Paul, your geek um, cred for this week? So, I love anime. <laughs> so, I'm making another anime no. recommendation. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry too, guys. So, um, <laughs> you should be. <laughs> one of my favorite series got a remake recently. So, there's a series called Fruits Basket about a girl whose parents passed away and she is living by herself in a tent while still attending high school in Tokyo. And it's it starts off really sad, but she encounters this house of people who are also her classmates at school when they come into contact with uh, members of the opposite sex physical contact they transform into animals of the zodiac and it's it's a reverse fucking anime what the fuck (laughs) is is going on right um, now I feel, like I, tuned out. I feel like I tuned out and like came back in and Paul was explaining the plot of something. No. And like now I don't know what's happening. It was all in one sentence though. So yeah, I Holy not... shit. Okay. So it is beloved in the anime community. And it's actually, this is the 2019 remake. They've already adapted this for animation about like, I don't know, like 10, 15 years ago. But they're remaking it with much crisper animation and new voice actors. And it's, the remake is really, really good. So if you like romance anime, if you like reverse harem anime um, <laughs> with a little bit of sci-fi thrown in. Reverse harem is an anime genre. That's what I would like to point out here. Yeah. Subgenre. Okay, we need to do like an anime episode and not even like a like where we watch something. We just need to have Explain. Paul instruct us on how anime works. Because I don't like, he started talking about the plot of this and I was like, this sounds like a bad acid trip. <laughs> It sounds like, you know, when you have those dreams that like 
you're having the super normal dream and like you go you literally get in your car and go to work it's like the most mundane shit ever and then you're halfway to work and like fucking apocalypse comes out of the goddamn (laughs) ground and starts (laughs) smashing cars or shit like things just go completely fucked up and you're a power ranger all of a sudden too and it's like i don't know what's happening anymore but i'm and you're just acting like this is totally normal yeah that's what (laughs) that's exactly what that sounded like to me because you were like yeah she you know she's homeless and like lives in a tent and it's sad and i was like man that's real depressing for a cartoon and then you were like zodiac characters and shit. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's really cute because like the main character there's a story about like there's one character who transforms into a cat but a cat is not part of the chinese zodiac because he got tricked by rat into not being included in the zodiac so she has this fondness of like i wish i were a cat so i could make him part of the zodiac too and it's it's cute it's fun it's like it's legitimately funny in some parts and very poignant in others so if you guys like slice of life anime fruits basket remake it's good check it out all right my geek read this week over the past couple of weeks i got caught up and finished off the second season of black lightning and i am gonna i think i probably recommended the first season but i'm gonna you go did. ahead and recommend this season too because it's just a very different show than any of the other superhero TV shows on right now. The core family has a great chemistry together. So both Black Lightning and his two daughters are now powered. And that brings in its own sort of, you know, moral dilemmas. And they definitely dwell more on that and less in like a CW kind of drama-y, like Smallville-y kind of way. But they treat it with a little bit more maturity. Uh, it, the show is also deals really well with a number of, of racial issues, like maybe not to the extent of something like, you know, fucking like the wire or some shit like that. But the first comparison to this show is always Luke Cage. Luke Cage yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is probably like Luke Cage light, but not, not really light. Yeah. I watched the first couple episodes of it. Like I was taken by it, but just not enough to dive into another superhero show. Cause it would have been like my 48th at the time when it yeah. launched. Like, I'm curious to go back to it because I've heard it's like production values wise, it maybe leans a little bit closer to like what we got for Doom Patrol and Titans. Like it's a little bit more it's, cleanly written yeah. than what we get on the standard CW Bryanty shows, which it's, is it's the closest. Messy a it's lot. the closest of the DC shows, I would say, to the production quality of the Marvel Netflix series. Yeah. Both in terms of writing, production quality, effects, everything. Um, yeah, that's what I've heard about that show in particular, yeah. which is like that's which is cool because like Black Lightning is a character you would never expect to get that much respect in mm-hmm. a live action TV show like that. And it's cool that they're like really taking the time to do it right. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta get back into it at some point too. Yeah. And I like that especially now that Luke Cage is gone, that we do still have a series, yeah. like a comic book series that is, you know, person color centric. Yeah. So uh, and it's also it is just straight up entertaining, has good characters good villains and the fucking soundtrack on it is awesome as well it leans more towards like soul and r&b more so than luke cage leans more into like the rap side of thing well they uh, did a little bit of both on luke yeah. cage like they always they were always hitting those motown things on uh luke yeah. cage too like hitting those like wax wax records and shit so. yeah there's definitely a good solid foundation of like motown but also there's some like solid jazz and stuff like that nice. on the soundtrack for black lightning as well and the season ended with limited spoilers with a teaser for uh, potentially an outsiders team coming in. Basically the nation of Markovia is apparently going to play heavily in season three. And for anybody that knows DC very well, they know that Geoforce and Terra are characters from Markovia that end up as characters on Batman's like outsiders team. Although there's, they've made reference to Batman in the series, but I don't 
think he would ever fucking show up in it. But if you we never got know like these a, days, man, like true. you never fucking know anymore. Things are like Superman's <laughs> on Supergirl, so who knows true. what they're gonna do? But if we got like a low key outsiders team out of this, uh, yeah. you know, with like Geoforce and maybe like uh, Katana or something like that, then that yeah. be, that could be pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. So I somehow are gonna pull in Metamorpho for that one. Something maybe. not gonna happen. Maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so with the budget. No, <laughs> that, Meta- that's an expensive I feel character. Like would, en- would be more likely to end up on Doom Patrol at this point. Oh, now I kind of want that. Thanks for ruining season two for me. Thanks, bud. <laughs> All right. So with that, uh, I think we will close out. So thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Dance Robot Dance episode 153. If you like what you heard, you'd like to tell us what your thoughts are on Day of the Tentacle. If you have ever played it, if you haven't, but maybe were encouraged to play it by our episode, you can do so on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Dance Robot Dance Podcast. You can tweet at us at drd underscore podcast you can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com and if you're not already subscribed you can do so at basically any podcatching app stitcher google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify etc so yeah thank you everybody for listening uh i've been tim say good night mark good night everybody say good night paul good night and we will see you next time <laughs>